Not only in the lives of our marriages, the, li the lives of our families, the life of our church, but in the life of our nation as well. Uh, you may or may not have looked at the bulletin so far, but you'll notice that things are a little bit different in 2015, and we're just going to see how it goes. Amen? Uh, this Christmas and this New Year holiday has been very, very challenging for Janet and I. Uh, if you don't know, Janet's sister, Robin, uh, is fighting a losing battle with cancer that drains every ounce from her ailing body. My mother is still in denial that cirrhosis has taken over her liver and that she is in serious need of a liver transplant. But while attempting to minister to my mom, while attempting to minister to Robin, I have rediscovered a truth that has energized me for 2015. It's a message that always comforts, I've found. It's a message that always brings peace, I've found. And it's also a message that i found always brings a smile to someone's face. And that message is this. God loves you. He always has. And he always will. No matter what burden you're carrying, no matter how deep your despair, no matter how sick you may become, God loves you. He counts you as one of his children. And get this, nothing can change that. It's amazing that God loves me. But I ask this question, does everybody in the world know that? Does everybody know that? Has anybody here reminded the sick and afflicted that God loves them? Has anyone here reminded uh, people who are heartbroken and dejected that God loves them? Has anybody reminded those who are ignored and neglected that God has always loved them and will always love them? Friend, have you reminded somebody? That God loves them? You know, in the midst of dark moments, I've learned, sometimes people's view of God's love somehow gets obstructed. They don't remember that. And especially during those moments, friends, people need to get the message that God truly does love them. But I think that all people need to get that message, don't they? Everybody in the world needs to hear that message that they are loved by God. And you're never going to guess who's responsible for sharing that message with them. Say it, y'all. Say me. You're the ones responsible for reminding people that God dearly loves them. So you see, love is not merely a Christian message. Love is the Christian message. It is the Christian message. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is that regardless of our human failings, God loves us so much that he would show his love for us on the cross. Now, while God's love is indeed the greatest and perhaps the most exciting news that we could ever receive, we must be careful to remember that God's love is not the only 
message about God that we need to receive. We must never allow God's love to overshadow or obscure the fact that God is holy. We must never allow the fact that God loves us to obscure the fact that God is perfectly just. Even that God sometimes has wrath. But here's one thing I learned this week. It's only God's love that can remove the barrier of my sin that separates me from God. And God desires to give that gift to every human being on this planet. But like all gifts, it must be received. You see, giving a gift is only half of the transaction. The transaction's not done. The transaction is not complete. It doesn't become real. It doesn't even take effect until that gift is accepted. It's opened. It's identified. And it's appreciated. Then it truly becomes a gift. If you still have gifts under your Christmas tree, friend, they're not really gifts until they are received. And by the way, you need to get your tree down. (laughs) Amen. The Bible speaks of one evening when a man who was seeking after God came to Jesus. And in the course of that conversation, Jesus told that man this. He told that man that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul also spoke about that same subject, the love of God. And in Romans chapter 8, He was writing to believers much like you and I. And here's what he wrote to those believers in Rome. He said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, that neither angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth shall be able to get this separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the mighty, incredible, amazing, never-ending love of God. Friend, that is the very message that should make the hair on the back of your neck stick straight up. Your God loves you. He always has and He always will. I read a story about a poor drunk man who one night stumbled up the steps of the church where the great evangelist D.L. Moody was pastoring. And as he pushed the doors open of that church, 
the first thing that he saw was this large sign that hung over the pulpit. And that sign read, God is love. And it struck him. It struck him with anger. Here's what he said. He slammed the door. He stumbled down the steps. And he muttered, God is not love. He is not love. If he was love, he would love me. And he doesn't love a miserable man like me. It's not true. But as he continued down the street that night, those words burned deeply inside of him. God is love. God is love. Say that with me. Those words burned deep down inside of him, and he couldn't stop thinking about it. And he asked himself, could it be true? Is it even remotely possible that God could love a man like me? After a while, he turned around and he went back to that church, confused and desperate. But by now, the people were beginning to gather for worship there at the church. And so the man slipped into the church and sat in what I like to call John Stanford Corner. <laughs> Carol, you need to make sure I used him in a sermon illustration today. If you don't know what John Stanford Corner is, it's that corner in the back of the church over yonder. Uh, for the last 10 years that I know of, John has sat in that corner. Well, that's where this man slipped in and he sat there in that corner. And he sat there, and through the entire sermon, this poor, drunk man cried. At the conclusion of the sermon, Pastor Moody was in the back of the church, shaking hands with everybody as they left, and that man didn't budge. He just sat in that corner, crying. And finally, Pastor Moody went over to him and he said, why are you crying, my friend? Did my sermon touch your heart today? And that man looked up at him and said, no, I didn't hear a word you said. I know what that feels like, amen. <laughs> he said, no, I didn't hear a word you said, but that sign over the pulpit, God is love, just touched my heart. Moody led him to give his life to the Lord Jesus. And for the first time ever, he understood that God loved him. Another lady named Trula Kronk was a missionary in India for 24 years. One night, Trula was telling the story of a little girl named Dolan. And Dolan was visiting the mission where Trula was working and had stayed longer than she wanted to. And by that time, nighttime had fallen. And so as Dolan prepared to head home, Trula explained to her, she said, Dolan, God loves you and he's going to take care of you all the way home. And that little girl from India looked at that missionary 
And she said, no, ma'am, God doesn't love little girls. You see, in India, women are second-class citizens. And she had been taught that God didn't love her. Isn't it sad, friends, that so many people in this world are just like that girl from India? They're just like that drunken man that they believe for one reason or another that God doesn't love them. Maybe they're going through sickness and they feel like God just doesn't care. Maybe they believe that they've committed some sin and that's caused God to turn their back, His back on them. Maybe they think that God only favors rich people. Maybe God only favors white people. Maybe God only favors people who are men. And he doesn't care about the rest. Listen carefully to me this morning. Here at Bethel Baptist Church, as a church family, we should have a burden to drive out that kind of confusion. As we start over again this year, my number one prayer for this church this year is that we will have a burden to declare to the world that God deeply, stubbornly, eternally insists on loving every person on this planet. It doesn't matter who you are. And it don't matter what you've done. God loves you. Max Lakato said, you cannot fall beyond the love of God. You know, God's love even includes those that we have trouble loving. You know the ones I'm talking about, right? You know that guy who cuts you off in traffic? God loves him. Mm -hmm. That woman who is being so doggone rude at Walmart? God loves her. That drunk who drives and Causes a fatal car accident. God even loves him. You know that crooked politician? That drug addict? That death row inmate? Those people over there in the Mideast? God even loves them. The most important fact of your Christian life should be that the eternal, self-existing God who created and sustains everything dearly loves you. He doesn't simply love you when you do well. No, He personally and passionately is involved in your good even when you fail. So everything that you do and every goal that you have for 2015 should be done with the thought in mind that God loves me. Will you say that today? God loves me. Say it again. Don't you forget it. Friend, but what would really happen? What would really happen if I were to let that profound statement that God loves me change the whole course of my life? What would happen if I, you guys let that course 
or that statement change everything about you? See, if you're convinced that God loves you, then you're going to be always wanting to please Him. You're going to always want to honor Him. You're always going to want to serve Him. You're always going to want to worship Him. You're always going to want to give to Him. You're going to find that it's all about Him. What would happen if you let that statement that God loves you change you and your whole world? I'm praying that in the coming weeks, we're going to find out what will happen. I want to begin this series with one point. Don't you love a one-point sermon? Who loves a one-point sermon? Amen. Brother Tim does. Well, here's the good part. It's a one-point sermon, and it's a brief one point. Your first point, the only point you'll have today is that the Bible declares the love of God. If you have your Bibles with you today, turn with me to the very back of your Bibles in 1 John chapter 4. And I want to share some verses with you that should turn your head or turn your life on its head. 1 John chapter 4. Beginning in verse 8. This author, John, is an author, a man who is described as a man whom Jesus loved. Listen to his words. He wrote in 1 John 4, 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is to settle the sin question. You see, God is perfectly holy and heaven is a perfect place and there can be no sin in heaven. So the sin question had to be settled. And it was settled on the cross. Before we consider this God is love statement, I want to caution you to avoid two common mistakes. One is this. Be sure that you don't invert that statement. Don't invert that statement to say love is God. Because there are many false loves in this world that bear little or no resemblance to the love of God. For instance, a man may love his mistress, but that's not God's love. I may love pizza, but prayerfully I view Almighty God a little bit differently than I do pepperoni pizza. You may love fishing, but can you really equate Almighty God with a smallmouth bass? It's not the same. God is love, but love is not necessarily God. 
There's a second mistake that we need to caution ourselves against, and that is we cannot make God's love more important than all of His other attributes. There is more to God than just love. For instance, God is all-knowing. I've met some people who think they are all-knowing. Have you? God is also everywhere always. He's with you here today. He was with you when your parent passed away. He was with you Christmas and He was with you at work. He was looking over your shoulder as you were on the computer. And He was sitting in the recliner with you as you were watching TV. God is everywhere. Always. But God is also infinite. He is also eternal. He is perfectly holy and He is absolutely just. So God can reveal one of His qualities at any given time, but that doesn't mean that one is more important than the other. He is the same in all of those areas. Whenever God reveals His wrath, guess what? He does it in love. Whenever He is showing His love, He does not abandon His holiness. He's still perfectly holy. And while that's all true, I still can't get past what John said. I can't get past this fact that he said that God is love. What in the world does that mean? What is John saying when he says God is love? Because he's not only saying that God loves, he's saying that God is love. What is he saying? He's saying that everything that God does, no matter when, no matter how, everything that God does is rooted in and motivated by love. He formed human beings. Why? Because he wanted someone to love. He rules the universe in love. He allows free will. Why? Because he loves, he is love. When you think about God, when you think about everything that he's created, remember that he does it all in love. But when human beings try to define love, we get definitions that are sappy. Sometimes they're unclear. Sometimes they're even perverse. But God's love is different. We all talk about love. We have all experienced love in some shape, form, or fashion. And we have all been driven by the need to give love and to receive love. It was Christian philosopher Peter Kreft who said this. He said, the more important a thing is, the more counterfeits will be made of it. Nobody tries to counterfeit a paperclip. Amen? But how many counterfeit religions have you seen? A paperclip is pretty worthless, but a relationship with God 
Now that's serious. Counterfeit ideas of love are all around us too. Kindness can sometimes be a counterfeit for love. While kindness does, can demonstrate love, sometimes people have ulterior motives for being kind, don't they? Discipline causes pain, and it seems very unkind, but real love will give discipline for the long-term health of a child. Sex is often misused as counterfeit for love. But here's your bottom line. We cannot afford to define love based on our own limited experiences. Only God's love is the real deal. And if you want to learn what love is all about, then here's where you need to look. This is the only authority on the love of God. The Bible. And the Bible encourages you to follow His pattern for love. Because everything else is counterfeit. In the Bible... I've heard it said that the love of God is like a multifaceted diamond. Every facet glistens, revealing some blindingly beautiful truth about God. And so this is where our journey for love begins this year. This journey for us to understand love begins with God himself. To begin to understand love, we must begin to understand God. And to begin to understand God, we've got to begin in no other place other than the revelation of his love, his son, Jesus Christ. It's through the life, the death, and the resurrection of His Son that God reveals His unending, unexplainable, unselfish love for you. God's love letter here tells us that the wages of sin is death. Because God is holy, because He's perfectly just, the consequences for sin is eternal death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But you know, it's not really a gift until you receive it. I pray that you will not leave this building today until you have received the most important gift that can ever be given to you. Eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for loving an old wretch like me. In spite of my falling, in spite of my failing, in spite of all that I falter. Thank you for loving me. And thank you, Lord, that you 
showed and demonstrated and manifested that love toward me in that while I was yet a sinner, your son Jesus Christ came to this planet to suffer at the hands of those he came to save and to be crucified and killed on a criminal's cross only for the glory of God to be manifested on him as he was raised three days later. Father, it's our faith in that fact. It's our faith in the word of God that provides us with the eternal life that Jesus came to give as a gift. But Lord, as we've learned, that's only half the transaction. And Lord, I fear that many, perhaps even in this building, have heard of the love of God. They've heard how it was manifested toward them, but they've not yet received the gift. I pray that today ends that. And that anyone that does not have eternal life in Christ Jesus will come and receive the gift today. And that you'll begin a work in them that will glorify you for all time. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you, most of all, for your love and for your son who brought it to earth. We give you praise for him. And Lord, I thank you for the decisions that are going to be made here this morning in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said,